Lions are fierce creatures. They're both majestic and even terrifying. They can go from a lying position to a full sprint in the blink of an eye, and they are conquerors. A lamb, on the other hand, is docile. It's a relaxed creature that people are drawn to, and the sight of a lamb doesn't usually strike fear in many people. It puts them at ease. But how about a troublemaker? They're usually unafraid to shake things up a bit, and it's usually to get their point across, and when they do so, they're not always the most popular person. Well, what about the peacemaker? Well, they're, they're just that. They're proponents of peace. They're calm. They ease tension, make everyone around them relaxed and free. So we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He's our Savior. But is he a lion or is he a lamb? Was he a troublemaker or was he a peacemaker? We'll dive into these questions in today's episode of the Watching World Podcast. Welcome to the Watching World Podcast, a podcast of abundant life whose mission is to see lives changed by Jesus and whose vision is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I'm Les Norman, and joining me today is Abundant Life's lead pastor, Pastor Phil Hopper. Outstanding, Les. I am so excited to be here, man. Man, it's good to see you. It's, it, I'm glad we finally got you in here. You're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. And when we get to connect, man, it's, it's, it's just such a pleasure and it's an honor. Um, as my friend, as my pastor, as a mentor, I just so appreciate you. And I'm just thankful you're here. Likewise, Les. You're a great brother and you're doing a great job for Jesus. And I'm just so thrilled to get to hang out with you today. And I love what we're talking about, Lion or lamb. Or troublemaker or peacemaker. <laughs> when you talk about Jesus and, and you say troublemaker, it, that might bring a gasp or two sure. to some people. Yeah. But we're going to talk about why. Because uh -huh. you, know, you think troublemaker, that, that's bringing trouble for everybody. And that's not what we're talking about. Exactly. So let's start this whole thing off. The lion. Jesus the lion. We know when you, when you think about you know, I'm sure you've done it. You're a hunter. You're an outdoorsman. And if you think about, I don't know what I would do. I've never been to Africa or any place in the world that would actually have a lion. I've seen him at the zoo. And even at the zoo behind glass that's about three feet deep and thick, they are still super intimidating and scary. Mm -hmm. So you watch them on TV, scary creatures. So Jesus the lion, was he a lion? Well, obviously the answer is absolutely. Revelation 5 calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah. And of course, we're dealing here with the character of God. And God has more than one character quality. And Jesus, of course, Colossians 1 tells us is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, look no farther than the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the Bible describes him both as lamb and lion. And so if indeed we are to be Christ-like, image bearers, of the living God, then what that means in some ways, we're to be a composite of both a lion and a lamb. And practically, what we're going to talk about today is what does that look like in our life practically? It's truth scripturally, but how do we walk that out as a lion and a lamb in society less? This is why I think this topic is so compelling today. So in Proverbs 28.1, there is, a, there is a, a very important topic that we need to talk about in relation to what you said about lion and lamb. I think it's really relevant right now in this time in history, and it has to do with the election. And eight million ears just perked up right yeah, now when yeah, you yeah. talk about election. It's a hot-button issue in this country today. But before we get to that, uh, Proverbs 28.1 talks about how the righteous are as bold as a lion. 
So can you can you dive into that a little bit? What that means? The righteous are as bold as a lion. Sure. I think sometimes uh, we we know the imagery the New Testament uses that Jesus is our shepherd. He said, "I'm the good shepherd." Peter called him the chief shepherd, and that we are his flock and uh, we're sheep. In John ten, Jesus described us as sheep. Sheep are not a threat to anybody. Sheep uh, aren't predators. Sheep are not dangerous creatures. Sheep are easily preyed upon. And that's why we need a shepherd who is the Lord Jesus Christ. I think problem, the problem, though, is in modern Christianity, you have two extremes. And often one extreme is this sense of that uh, we are, as Christians, to be pacifists. And we're to be docile uh, like sheep are. And that's not at all what the Scripture is teaching. Uh, we are in some way to be uh, the lion as well. And Proverbs 28 one says the righteous are to be bold as lions. What that means then is that we should be roaring lambs. Interesting. Uh, yeah, exactly. A roaring lamb. Look, Jesus was both the lion and the lamb, and that means in the heart of every Christian woman and every Christian man is a lion and a lamb. The problem is sometimes people are all lamb and no lion, and other people are all lion but no lamb. So let's let's dive into the lamb side sure. of that and then focus on the balance of that, okay? okay? Because that, well, some people might lean toward the lion. Some people might lean toward the lamb. And like you said, some some are all lion, which is kind of off-putting. Yes. And sometimes they're all lamb, which they can have a victim mentality. Sure. Like, well, I'm a Christian and Jesus was calm and peaceful in a lamb, and therefore I'm just supposed to be quiet and not use my voice or things along those lines. Okay, so so lamb, John 1, 29. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again, in John 1, verse 36, uh, he's, he's called the lamb of God, which indicated his character, and his purpose. So how was Jesus the lamb? So Jesus as the lamb came to suffer and sacrifice for others. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And so as the sheep of our chief shepherd, as, 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 as the, the flock of God, we should see ourselves, first of all, as uh, in need of a shepherd, meaning we, we are not as human beings any position to shepherd ourselves. Right. Okay, we, we, are, we are not able to captain our own ship. We One, will sail it to our destruction. That's right. One of the things I always try to tell people, I am not the best CEO of my life. There you go. So, so recognizing we are his sheep means he is our shepherd. Uh, he should be leading us. We're not going to lead him, and we're not going to do a very good job of leading ourselves. So first of all, uh, rec- recognizing that we are sheep means uh, I'm not in charge of my life. Jesus is. He's my guide. He's my leader. I'm going to follow him wherever he leads. I think the second thing is recognizing that as the Lamb of God, he came to suffer and sacrifice for others, to serve others. He didn't come to serve himself. And so uh, it, it is a call upon our life to serve and to sacrifice and lay down our lives for others as Christ laid down his life for us. There's no greater love is a man than this, and he should lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said in John 13, 35, uh, a new commandment I give you that you should love one another as I have loved you, so you would also to love one another. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, by your love one for another. And so as, uh, as, as the Lamb of God, he loved us to the point of death. He gave up his life. 
And that is the call of every Christian man, every Christian woman, as the lamb to lay down our life as a living sacrifice, Romans 12 and verse 2. And sometimes the way you win in warfare is by sacrificing all. Some people have to die so that others can live. And the call in the Christian life is not to come and live, but to come and die. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. So as the lamb, he laid down his life. He took up his cross. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we're to follow that example and lay down our life, taking up our cross, embracing a daily crucifixion so that we can then live in the victory and power of the resurrection. Amen. I love that. So now we've got Jesus as lion and lamb, and we've got a hot button issue going on in this world right now. I mean, never before have I seen, and we're pretty close to the same age. We're in our 50s now. Uh, we look like we're in our 30s, right? Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we can't help that. We can't help Don't that. that we may us. not feel that way. <laughs> so the, the, this hot button election topic, uh, everybody, Christians, non-Christians alike, it is, it, it's turning this country upside down. Mm -hmm. So some people are swaying to the lion in defense of what's going on. Some people are, 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 are siding with the lamb side of things. How are we supposed to respond as Christians in this country where we agree, disagree, fight until the end, complain, get angry, all these things, um, it just has things in a cluster so how are we to respond? Are we to respond like a lion? Are we to respond like a lamb? What are we to do in this area of this election? Well, too many Christians, I think, uh, just respond like a lamb and just talk about how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> that's good. I'm sorry. No, I, that's good. I just good. couldn't resist. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes it's, let's stay within the walls of our church. We're safe and just talk about how bad the world is. <laughs> and not use our voice. Listen, God said the righteous is bold as a lion, as, as, as sheep. Listen, there are too many Christians living in fear. Sheep are, sheep are very fearful creatures. Uh, that is why uh, they are a flocking animal. Strength in numbers. They, they, they find security in, in numbers, and, and so they will always be close together in a flock. And that is their only source of defense. And of course, that is why God has given us the body of Christ. There is strength in numbers, and you are isolated and vulnerable to the enemy if you're trying to go solo. If you're not a part of a church family, deeply connected in biblical community, you are very vulnerable to the enemy. In the same way, a sheep that is alone is very vulnerable to the enemy. At the same time, we're not to be in fear. We are to be the most, I think, certain and confident men and women in, a, in the world, in a world that is changing, full of insecurity, fear, anxiety, we can live confidently as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus fears nothing. And I think we have the wrong image in our mind's eye. If we simply picture Jesus now as the Lamb of God, this suffering Messiah hanging helplessly on the cross, bloody and beaten and bruised, if that's the only image we have of Jesus, we have got the wrong image because he suffered once for sins, never again. Today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He came the first time as the Lamb to suffer. He's coming back the second time to conquer. 
And uh, this is who we are as Christians. Romans 8 says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is our true identity. And we have to know when to be the lamb and suffer and sacrifice and lay down our lives. And we need to know when to be the lion. And uh, Jesus was both lion and lamb. Uh, this, This is the same Jesus that looked at wicked men and said, you whitewashed sepulchers, you den of vipers, you hypocrites. There are people that will have said, oh, that is so unchristlike. He's calling them names. No, he's, he's being very Christ-like. In that moment, he is being the lion. He is the warrior. And God's called us to be warriors. Saying what needs to be said. Say, you stand and confront evil and confront wickedness. And this is why, listen, the call on the Christian life is not simply that we be nice people. I think sometimes that's what we see ourselves as sheep. Sheep are nice. Now, the worst compliment you can give me, Les, is Phil's a nice guy. Please don't ever call me a nice guy. That's I, like the worst thing you can say about you, me. You cannot accuse me of that. I've <laughs> never called you a nice guy. And it's not because you're, you're not nice, but it's because I know who you stand for. I know what you stand for. I know your past and uh, of being a SWAT cop. And I also, looking at you across the table here, when you're six foot six and, you know, at our age and still ripped and strong like you are, nice doesn't come to mind. Well, here's the point. Jesus was not a nice guy. Nice people don't confront evil. Nice people don't confront wickedness. Okay, so you're saying people shouldn't be nice. I'm saying people should be kind. There you go. I'm saying people should be compassionate. But I'm not saying the call in the Christian life is just be nice. Hmm. See, there's a difference. There is. Nice people will do whatever it takes to keep the peace, which means appeasement. And appeasement doesn't keep the peace. Appeasement does not confront sin and evil and wickedness. So this is who Jesus was. He wasn't simply a nice guy. He was kind. He was compassionate. He loved people unconditionally. But as the lion, he wasn't just the lamb. He knew when to stand his ground and confront evil and confront wickedness. And by the way, in Revelation 19, when he comes back, he's not coming back as the lamb, and he's not coming back that's nice. He's coming back as a warrior, and he's coming back with sword in hand, and it's going to proceed out of his mouth, and with it he will strike his enemies. It says he will tread out the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. See, this is the image we need to have of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the lamb, yes. He suffered and died, but he's also the lion. And so, as a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ, we need to know when to be the lamb of God as children of God, and we need to know when to be the lion of God as, uh, as the warriors of the cross, as warriors of the kingdom that Jesus has told us to be, and do that under the power of the Holy Spirit. So, as a lion, we are to stand our ground. Uh, we are to be the salt of society. We are to use our voice and use our influence to stand against the wickedness that is encroaching upon our society. Listen, the church has been silenced and disarmed, I'm convinced, by all the false narratives of society. You know, the false narratives that are imposed upon us for simply believing what Christians have believed for 2,000 years, that there are absolutes morally, for example, 
that is not an anything goes mentality, that are they're, they're absolute spiritually. Uh, that's the nature of truth. And so, you know, in a postmodern society, postmodernism, a post Christian era says there is no absolutes. And anyone that believes absolutes is now seen as the opposition, they're seen as the enemy, and they must be silenced. And so consequently, you might get called a bigot, you might get called a hater, you might get called any number of things, and guess what? It has worked. It has silenced the church. And God has put us in the world as Christians to have this prophetic voice, to be that salt of society. Second Thessalonians 2 tells us that as the Spirit of God within the people of God, we are restraining the evil, the spirit of Antichrist that is encroaching. And so um, I, I think it's learning as Christ did to know when to go to war and to know when to walk away. And so I see two extremes now in Christianity that we want to avoid at all costs. First of all, just to be the lamb, to be quiet, to be docile. Uh, to, you know, not, not, not use our voice, just keep the peace at all costs. And then you see the other extreme where, frankly, people are, are brash and offensive and throw the verbal hand grenade, usually on social media, that doesn't influence anybody's thinking or win any hearts to Christ. That's, that's a pot stirrer. Just by showing sure. up there is a it's pot stirrer. It's not just to be a pot stirrer or troublemaker. It, it, you don't win anybody to Christ just by making these brash, polarizing zingers. You, you, you may win the battle, but you won't win the war. And so this is who Jesus was. He, he was meek. He wasn't weak. All right, meekness is power under control. We need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit at all times. That's good because I think that the word meek, some people flip that M in meek and to a W sure. and consider meek as weak. And I love the way you say that, Pastor Phil, power under control. The meek shall inherit the earth. Power under control, the self-control, but the aware. Yeah. And, you know, of course, and Jesus said in that same sermon on the Mount, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. We should seek to make peace. This is why we've started a peace ministry, we call it, at Abundant Life. It is a ministry of racial reconciliation, taking the gospel to the area of race specifically and trying to embody Galatians 3.28, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. We, we want to put that on display in a tangible way. Um, you know, uh, Paul said, in uh, Romans 16, as much as it be possible with you, live at peace with all men. That's why I try to teach my sons yeah. that verse a lot. Here's the point. The Bible is so practical. As much as it be possible within you, live at peace. Well, you know what Paul's saying? It's not always possible. That's right. There are people with which we just will not be able to live at peace with. We're in two different kingdoms. We have two different kings. There are two different spirits working within us. And that spirit of Antichrist is increasingly being unleashed in society, which means our people, they will, they're just not going to like us. We're not going to win them over. And guess what? That's okay. That is A-okay. It is. It has to be. Yeah. Jesus uh, didn't win everybody over in his day. He was the son of God. He was the visible manifestation of God in the flesh. Here, here's a man that never, ever sinned, did good 
to all men and all women, healed the sick, made the blind to see, fed the five. He, he, he cleansed the lepers. He touched others who wouldn't be touched by anyone. And yet there are people who still hated him. And if Jesus were running for president, there would be people that wouldn't vote for him. Well, of course. Let's remember that as we balance the election of madness. This is why we have to get over the fear of men. We have to get over the people pleasing that dwells within us all. Uh, and, and, and just it's okay that everybody doesn't like us. But here's the point. You know, Peter made this very clear in his letter uh, where he said, if you suffer, suffer for righteous sake. Meaning don't suffer because you were just a jerk. Mm. And sometimes we think we're getting persecuted for our faith. And some of us honestly are getting persecuted not for our faith, but because we're just obnoxious. We're offensive. And let's remember, too, I want to bring this up, too, that I think sometimes it feels like some people, if you use, for example, social media, well, someone said something bad about me and they consider that suffering. Is, is that suffering? Because to me, it just seems like, well, that's expected based on one, if you're too brash with your statements. Number two, if you're like you said, if you're all lion and not lamb. But then the Bible tells us that we are going to be persecuted for our faith. So even with being meek, power under control, mm -hmm. even with walking in the spirit, not everybody is going to like you. But sometimes I think we mistakenly say, oh, we're suffering. Those person, that person said something bad about me. And one of the things that I'm really focusing on teaching my sons as, as teenagers is, look, not everybody is going to like you. Like you said, as far as it pertains to you, be at peace with everybody, but your relationship with the Lord has to be so close and so locked in mm -hmm. that if someone doesn't like you, it doesn't affect you in a way that it just crushes your whole world. Sure, everybody wants to be liked and all that, but, but, but look, let's face it, as Christians, it's that bullseye out there, and that's okay. But if someone says something bad about you, it doesn't mean that that's a part of suffering. If, if I'm liked by everyone, I am not living for Jesus. That's right. That's right. Now, Amen. The goal, the goal isn't to be hated, though Jesus right. said you'll be hated for my namesake. Mm -hmm. But if I'm liked by everybody, I'm clearly not living for Jesus. Paul said to Timothy, yea, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's right. And there's soft persecution in the West. We don't know much about persecution like other Christians around the world do. Yeah. There's increasing persecution, I'm convinced. It, it's soft persecution. You know, the, the slander. Um, you know, and what people will say about us and, you know, calling us names, you know, the hypocrisy of the tolerance movement, the intolerance of the tolerance movement, uh, the religious bigotry that exists in our society in this age where, you know, there's so much talk about bigotry. Um, but we have to keep that in perspective. We don't know a lot about Christian persecution like those that have gone before us. Right. But here's the point. It doesn't matter uh, if we should lose all religious liberty. It shouldn't change how we live. We're still going to keep doing the same things, whether we have constitutional guarantees of worship or not. It's not going to change what I do. It's not going to change what I say. You know, if they should pass hate speech legislation in our country like they have in other countries, we're simply speaking biblical truth becomes a crime. It's not going to silence me. No. The righteous nope. are bold as a lion. That's right. Come and get me. That's right. And that's how we should live. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be in your face uh, and obnoxious about it 
Listen, Jesus won many because of this unconditional, unbelievable love that he had. Love is what draws people to Christ. Love is what is contagious. If we just continue to love people in this divine, unconditional kind of way that puts no strings on it. Listen, loving people apart from, you know, any performance, apart from any strings that might be attached. This is who Jesus was. And it's amazing what love will do when we love people with true Christ-like love. But in the end, they still hung him on a cross. We, we shouldn't expect to be treated any differently. So the, the, the two topics before we wrap up here, okay, you've, you've mentioned Scripture in both of these. So let's hit them together. Troublemaker. When you talk about Jesus, you don't necessarily think troublemaker. But here's an example. In John 2, we see Jesus clearing the temple. So it's almost time for the Jewish pas- Passover. He's heading up to Jerusalem. So Jesus, the Savior, the lion and the lamb, he makes a whip, drives them all out of the temple, scatters the coins of the money changers, overturns tables, and says, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Here's the question. Troublemaker? He certainly would have been seen as a troublemaker. He challenged the status quo. And here's the point. We as Christians will be seen in society increasingly as troublemakers. We are becoming an anomaly. We, we are not mainstream any longer in America. And so consequently, we're going to be seen as the troublemakers sometimes. Why won't they just get along? Why won't they just go along? Fall in line. Well, the reason why is true Christians would rather die for the truth than live for a lie. Right. And this is what Jesus was doing. He, he, he will not accept the status quo. He turned the tables over. He did. But he did it with power that's under control. And I think that's the key thing for, for all of us is knowing when to go to war and for what to go to war. There are some Christians who live out of fear, and so consequently they shoot at anything that moves. And they lose all credibility because they'll shoot all their bullets at anything that moves. And it's, it's a, you know, in the Vietnam era, they actually had to disarm the M16 from American GIs being fully automatic because they, they noticed GIs were going into combat and burning through a 30-round banana clip in a matter of seconds, shooting indiscriminately at the enemy. And so they literally disarmed the fully auto component on their weapons so they didn't go through their bullets so fast. Well, that's what some Christians are doing now. You, you can't shoot all your bullets at everything. You've got to choose wisely. And here's, here's the difference between a soldier and a warrior. A soldier just knows to fight, but a warrior knows when to fight. See, Jesus was more than a soldier. He was a warrior. He knew when to fight. He knew when to lay down his life, and he knew when to take it up again. And so we've got to be wise. Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And there you have the lion and the lamb. Man, it's posed metaphorically in a little different way. The serpent and the dove. The dove is not a threat to anybody. The world should not see us as a threat to them. At the same time, we are a danger. We are a danger to the enemy. And we are a threat to the enemy. And the serpent is wise. He knows when to strike. And he knows when not to strike. And we, we've got to be wise 
as we walk among wolves in this modern era we live. And you led us to Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And in Ephesians 2, we see Jesus as the, the peacemaker. He made peace between a loving creator and a rebellious creation, did he not? He did. And that should be our hope and our goal is not just to make war, not just to make trouble and feel like, wow, we've really stirred it up for Jesus, but to bring redemption and reconciliation to a fallen humanity that is far, far from God. Okay, so to wrap this up, may I ask you the question, the big question, is Jesus lion or lamb? Is he troublemaker or peacemaker? Who is he? The answer is yes. That's good. So you're saying he's all for all of it. He, he, God is a God of justice and righteousness as well as a God of love and forgiveness. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. He embodied all of it perfectly because he was God. Mm. Now we're not God, but we have God living in us. Right. So we won't always manage that tension perfectly like Jesus did. We won't always embody it perfectly like Jesus did. But it's not 50-50. Well, I'm 50% lion, I'm 50% lamb. No, you're 100% lamb and a 100% lion. And as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you surrender all rights to your life, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you will begin to embody both of those at all times. And that's the goal of the Christian life, Christ-likeness. So as we wrap this whole thing up, again, we, we circle back to the election. And it just seems like, and I don't know how, I can't put this eloquently. I can't put this in any way except what I truthfully think in my mind. It just seems like the world's gone crazy. It just seems like people are, are freaking out and are angry and there's never been more divide. There's never been more frustration and name calling and bigotry and racism and hatred and opinions so far on the opposite end of things. The election of this year, how should people respond? Whatever side we're on as Christians, how do we respond to the, the madness that has come with this election? Well, first of all, remember, God is sovereign. All right. So God did not lose. Uh, when Please Donald, say that again. No, God didn't lose. Thank you. He's not in heaven going, oh, no, I, I wanted Donald Trump to have another four years. What am I going to do? Uh, the reality is... Uh, Romans 13 tells us that all civil authority is appointed by God. So God uses historically ungodly men for godly outcomes. He used Donald Trump for four years to bring about godly outcomes. He's going to use Biden for the next four years for a godly outcome, even though these are ungodly men in many ways. And so we as Christians have to recognize God is completely sovereign. He is working a plan that will lead ultimately to the climax of the ages, which is the second coming of Christ, which is to establish his kingdom that will be without end. And in the meantime, we as Christians are to oppose the wickedness and the spirit of Antichrist being unleashed upon us and upon society. Now, we are to use our voice in the public square. The worst thing we can do is retreat from the institutions that shape the moral fabric of society, uh, which is, uh, in part, the political system, the governing systems of our day. Uh, we need more Christians, people who are godly in government, 
If you don't like the direction of government, get involved. This is what it means to be, I'm convinced, uh, the salt of society and the lion that God has called us to be. The righteous are bold as a lion. If you don't like the direction of your public school system, get involved. It's good. Run for the school board. There you go. It's tired of, I'm, you know, Christians complain. We're really good at bad. Okay. Make a difference. Get off the sideline. Get out of the bleachers. Get on the field where it matters. And yes, you're going to, as the lamb, lay down your life to do it. You're going to suffer a lot to do it. But, but, but what is the alternative? Make a difference. That's good. That's good. Well, Pastor Phil, thanks for being here. Um, thank you for being my friend, but thank you for being our pastor. Thank you for being unapologetic at bringing the truth each week, for living it out. Uh, thanks to your bride for putting up with your crazy hours and our brides for putting up with us in general. But um, I'm so thankful that uh, I'm at a church that, that preaches the word, that preaches it unapolog- unapologetically. And uh, it, it's just, uh, it's a wonderful place to be able to worship God because, you, you know, I once, this is a weird explanation, but as a former athlete, I was once talking to our, our, the head of our grounds crew back in the day when I played. And uh, I, I wasn't playing. I was a backup sitting in the dugout, which was my career. But I said, you know, this it, this looks beautiful. It, how you take care of this is beautiful. And he said, look, when you show up here, my job is to step into the background. You shouldn't even notice me because this is this is about you and what you're doing. And and when you preach the gospel in truth and doing it unapologetically, and and being both lion and lamb. I so appreciate that because this isn't the church of Pastor Phil. This isn't the church of our pastors. This is God's church, and this is God's word. And so uh, I just want to thank you kind of publicly through our podcast here that that that's what you've done for me and so many. So I greatly appreciate your heart and your faithfulness to uh, our our loving God, our lion, our lamb, our troublemaker, and our peacemaker God. And I want to say how thankful I am to have a church where so many people still love the truth. Amen. They love the truth. And there's a lot of reasons why people come to Abundant Life, but one of those reasons, if they come and stay, is they love the truth in these days of deception and distortion and lies. And so I'm just thankful there are still people in the world that love the truth of God's Word, the truth of God's Son, and have not bowed the knee to the false idols and false gods of our day. Amen. Love you, buddy. Love you too, buddy. Thanks for being here. And that's our time for today. For more information about Abundant Life, any service times, taking your next steps, ministries, and more, visit livingproof.co. For my guest, Pastor Phil Hopper, I'm Les Norman. Thanks for listening today to the Watching World Podcast.